Some it may have been public speaking. Some it may have been when when you are facing an authority, maybe a highway patrolman right out your window here, all right? Um, but when in particular, when you know that things are out of your hands and totally in someone else's hands, that can be very, very nerve-wracking. Um, there's a sense, I don't know how many of you have been in court, or um, there is a sense of soberness and and seriousness in court if you're called to testify, if um, you've sat on a jury. Um, I'm, I'm just curious, and you're thinking, oh, no, what's he going to ask? How many of you have sat on a jury? Okay, that's, that's good. That's an interesting um, exercise in community service, and if you ever have the opportunity um, to be called into that, if at all possible, by all means, take that. Because it, it does. It gives you a sense of seriousness there. But in, in coming before a judge and to know that a verdict that is totally up to the judge um, can change your life, needless to say, those people that stand before that are are very nervous and understand this is completely out of my hand and and what do I do about it? Well, in our study in prophecy, we have looked at the next event on God's timetable is the rapture. The next event after that for we as believers is the judgment seat of Christ. And... We cannot comprehend, we cannot imagine the seriousness of the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. And tonight we we want to look at that. And, um, And I just pray that God's Spirit would help us to come to a refreshed realization that um, we stand, we will stand before God. There's a story about a frustrated basketball coach. I don't know how many of you remember the coach Cotton Fitzsimmons. Any of any of you remember Cotton Fitzsimmons? That's old timers. Um, he had an idea how to motivate his team, and before he gave before a game, he gave him a speech that centered around the word pretend. He said, "Gentlemen, when you go out there tonight, instead of remembering that we are in last place, pretend we are in first place. Instead of being in a losing streak." Pretend we are in a winning streak. Instead of it just being a regular game, pretend that it's a playoff game. 
And with that, he sent them out onto the basketball court, and they were soundly beaten by the Boston Celtics back in their days. Coach Fitzsimmons was upset about the loss, and one of his players came and slapped him on the back and said, Cheer up, Coach. Pretend that we won. (laughs) Sometimes... We pretend that we are winning in the race of life. We pretend that everything is okay. We pretend that we're not going to answer to God. And there's going to come a day when reality will set in that we can no longer pretend. And Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, he said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men... But we are made manifest to God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This, this is the bema seat of Christ. It is, um, in Greek terminology, it is uh, standing before a judge. It is also the bema seat was like the... the um, Award stand that we think of in the Olympics where uh, they would be awarded their, their crowns or their medals. And we are reminded here and throughout Scripture that after the Lord catches us away in the rapture, during the seven-year period of tribulation, we, as individual believers, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So, the notes aren't much tonight until we get to the end. It's just the basic questions, when, and and I'm just giving it. It's not going to be up there. They're just the questions. But this takes place immediately after the rapture. It takes place... Um, during the tribulation period. So just some of the basics um, of, of this event. It is an event that is only for believers. You know, we tell all the jokes that, that uh, Fred died and went to the pearly gates and Peter met him there and we have all these jokes about are you going to get in or not. That's not... I mean, they make good jokes, and I'm not saying you shouldn't tell the jokes, you know, I'm not saying that. But the fact of the matter is, everybody that is caught up to meet the Lord in the air is a believer. And they are with the Lord. And so this isn't a judgment to see who gets in and who doesn't. We'll talk about, as we go through our study and prophecy, we'll talk about other um, judgments that will come. But this is the judgment seat of Christ, and it is only for believers. And we say, okay, what is it about? 
Um, I'm sure many of you, maybe all of you have heard, you know, your life is going to be shown before and think of the shame that you will bear and the, and the things that you've done. Um, I'm sure in, in my earlier days, I even said things like that. Number one, we are not going to give an account. This isn't a thing where every sin that you've ever done is brought up and you are going to answer for it. What covers your sin and my sin? The blood of Jesus Christ. And they are separated as far as the east is from the west. They are buried in the depths of the deepest sea. And, and they are forgiven and forgotten by God. Now, that doesn't, you might say, man, am I glad to hear that. That does not take a sense of the seriousness of this event. Um, this is a day of revelation in which it will make manifest the character and the motive of every work that every believer has done. It is a, a manifestation of our works, as we read here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It is a revelation whether our works were done in the power of God or in the arm of the flesh. And you know, there are many, many works that are done in the arm of the flesh that receive the praise of man. And that appear like, wow, God must be with them. Heaven is going to be full of many, many, many surprises. Because there will be a revealing of the works, the motives, why did we do things. There will be a revealing of um, the aspect of accountability. The great American statesman Daniel Webster was once asked about the greatest thought that ever entered his mind. And he immediately responded by saying, the most important thought that ever occupied my mind is my accountability to God. We are accountable to God. We are stewards of God. Meaning, our life, our mental ability, all of our gifts and capabilities, everything that we have is a gift of God, and He gives it to us as stewards, and stewards answer to the owner. And someday we will answer to God for what we have done with the gifts that He has given to us. It is a day of revelation that it will reveal how we built. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We find a, a, another um, example of this judgment that we will stand before. 
1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So, Jesus Christ is the only foundation that can be laid for a believer. Then he says, on that foundation, now if any man build on this foundation, and he lists building materials, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble, we get to choose in our life what we're going to put on the foundation of Jesus Christ. But then verse 13, he says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved Yet so as by fire. So picture. You have come to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He has entrusted to you many, many things. And every day, every moment, we're building. And we're building our life. We're putting together this building. And we can choose in the flesh. And that's wood, hay, and stubble. Or we can choose to do and to do things God's way and to lead a life that it seeks to please God and so on. And that is gold, silver, and precious stone. We, we have this building. And the analogy that he gives is our building will be tried, will be exposed by the fire of God's judgment at the judgment seat of Christ and 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. Then shall every man have praise of God. Our, our building is someday going to be revealed. And God knows exactly what we have done. The hidden things are going to be made manifest. They are going to be exposed. The good, remember Jesus said, that which is done in secret will be, will be seen. You give a cup of cold water, nobody notices. He said, I notice it and I'll reward that. And it will, we won't be making excuses, we, it will be exposed. What I have done with my life, and, and it does not matter what anybody else thinks. An umpire in baseball by the name of Babe Pinelli once called Babe Ruth out on strikes. And the crowd booed their disapproval of the call. And the legendary Babe Ruth turned to the umpire and with, with disdain said, there are 40,000 people here who know that that last pitch was a ball. Suspecting the umpire to erupt in anger and eject Ruth from the game, 
players and coaches from both sides were at the edge of the dugout and they heard the cool-headed Pinelli reply, Maybe so, babe, but mine is the only opinion that counts. You know, we may think we've got it together, but God's opinion is the only opinion that counts. And someday, everything about our life will be exposed to God. I mean, it already is exposed to God. It will be revealed to us. It's not revealing anything to God because God already knows the revelation is to reveal to us. And and in understanding that, it's how we build. Every day, every thought we're building our motives will be revealed on, on why we have done things. And he'll, he will make manifest, he said in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5, He will make manifest the counsels of the heart. You know, this is a, this is a difficult thing. And we live in a day today where we love to hear, Oh, God loves you and everything's good and God is love, God is love. God is love. But God is a just God, and God is a, jo- a God that holds us accountable, and God is a God that gives us all these things, and we someday are going to be held accountable for this. And it can be a great time because it is about rewards. But is, it is also about, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. We cannot imagine the shame to stand there empty-handed or with little or nothing and to look the Savior in the face, the Savior who gave his life for us. And to know, I wanted your salvation, but I wasn't very committed to your ways. We, we may need to go back and ask, am I really saved? But there, the Bible tells us, That there are people that will suffer loss, the shame. It's not going back and why did you do this and look what you did here. It's this is what God gave me and this is what I brought him. And to suffer the loss. I think one of the, the, the saddest verses of the Bible is when Peter denied the Lord And it says, and when Jesus looked at him, Peter went out and wept bitterly. I cannot imagine what that look was. It it wasn't a look of disdain, I know that. But when Peter saw that, he knew he had failed his Savior. And he was broken. And I can't imagine... What it is going to be like to have my life taken and at the judgment seat of Christ, 
revealed what my life is. And its I don't know that others will see it. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But I will stand before God himself. And will I hang my head in shame to see my life was lived in vain? To see that this is what God had entrusted to me and what it could have been and, and where, where am I? On the positive side, you may think, you know what? By God's grace, God has given me opportunities. And, and you may think, you know what? I'm nobody, I'm nothing, but this is the role that God has given me, and I'm going to hold my role, and I'm going to do my best to God. And, and you know what? There are going to be people in heaven that will be praised mightily that no one on earth has ever heard about. When I lived in Esterville, Iowa, in high school, in our church, was a little old lady, 90-some years old. And don't take offense if you're 90s and I called you old. It is old, okay? So enjoy it. Embrace it, all right? Annie Kaler was her name. She, she had never been married. She was a prayer warrior. She drove a 1936 Ford Coupe that the Ford dealer in town tried to buy it from her. It, it wasn't shined up. It wasn't, she'd just drive that big old steering wheel and little Annie, you know, driving this thing and nobody Nobody outside of, of that church really knew Annie Kaler, but I, I am certain that in heaven she's going to be a giant. In her little house that wasn't much of anything, you knew she was in prayer before God. I, I remember when I was in college got a letter, and here she she didn't have much. In the letter was a $5 bill, and I knew that that was big. No big thing, no. That's going to be revealed. Things like that are going to be revealed. And that's why he says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is not in vain in Christ Jesus. Keep doing it. Nobody notices. Nobody's patting you on the back. And, and Satan wants to say, ah, it's not doing any good. No, someday it will be revealed. And Revelation tells us it's not about, oh, look at the award I got. It's then we take the awards and we lay them at Jesus' feet as an expression of love. Must I go and empty-handed? Must I empty-handed to the Savior come? I mean, what we, we pray about revival, we think about revival, what we need is a healthy, healthy dose of the fear of God. That someday, and it could be soon, 
someday I am going to stand before God and what I have done with my life. See, that's not, that's not minimizing. If, if God is, you know, a mother, so you're changing diapers, you change the diapers to the glory of God. That is a godly thing. I mean, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And God sees it. He knows why we're doing it. How should it affect us? Number one, we should fear God. We read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And then the next verse says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. The most nervous you have ever been in your life will compare to nothing like standing before God who knows every detail about our life and to know that my life is going to be brought up to see if there are rewards. That, secondly, how it ought to affect us, we should purify our hearts. Why am I doing this? You know what? If you get... If you get to where you want to quit because nobody notices, that's probably revealing a wrong motive in our heart. If you get angry when you do something because it's not producing results, it's probably showing we have a wrong motive that we're more concerned about results than doing it as an expression of love to God. It ought to make us say, God, deal in my heart. God, show me my heart. And that to understand that I am going to stand before God. And 1 Corinthians chapter 9, another aspect of how it ought to affect us, it ought to cause us to be disciplined. 1 Corinthians 9, it says, You know that whoever runs in a race runs and they give their all, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain And then he says, and every man that striveth for the masteries is self-controlled in all things. Now they, referring to the Olympians, they do it for a corruptible crown. They get a gold medal. What happens to it? Some of them sell it before they even pass from this life. Others, their kids, probably fight about who's going to get the gold medal. It's a corruptible crown. He says, we do it for an incorruptible. We admire, we look at, wow, look at the discipline that they had. Look at this that they did. And he says, we ought to even be more so. Therefore, I bring under my body and bring it into subjection. I don't run as uncertainty is like, No, he said, I... I am not like one who shadow boxes. I am not like one who beats the air. Anybody can look good when you're shadow boxing. He says, I'm not wasting my energy. And, and what he's talking about, what he was referring to here, they would put weights in their hands when they would go to battle. And in these battle, it was battle unto death he was referring to here. He said, I'm not, I'm not going out there dancing around, wasting my energy. I'm going to make sure every punch counts. And he says, so I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. He's saying, the people that run the races in the boxing matches do these things. They are very, very disciplined. Why do they do it? To get a 
corruptible crown, he says, we should be much more disciplined. You know, in Christianity, especially in our land today, it's easy for us to become obese spiritually. We feed, feed me. Uh, yeah, oh, that's good. Mm, oh, boy, that was really good. Have you heard this one? Listen to this one. What happens if you eat and don't exercise? We know what happens. We must spiritually be disciplined. Because it's going to be revealed. It's going to be revealed. And, you know, this isn't the fun prophecy story tonight, is it? This isn't, Jesus is coming, woo! Everything's going to be wonderful! You know, the reality of this is, as you are rewarded, you will rule with Christ in the thousand-year reign of Christ. You know, we say, man, I would love to own a thousand acres and have my own pond, do this and that. Some of us are going to have a a little two-foot-by-two-foot square that we're ruling over in the millennial if we don't shape up. We, we have this idea. We're pretending. It's, I'm going to step into heaven and woo, everything's going to be wonderful. There are degrees of punishment in hell and there are degrees of reward in heaven. And it's time we get slapped on the back and say, pretend you won. No, that doesn't cut it, does it? It's time we say, I had better get serious about the things of God. It's a matter of time. You're going to die. There's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. As a believer, you will appear before that. And it doesn't matter how wonderful your family thinks you are. God knows what we really are. It doesn't matter how wonderful everybody else thinks you are. God knows. And if God says, well done, thou good and faithful, then that's good. But to stand, and I try to picture in my mind what, it, what it's going to be like to suffer loss, to be To look him in the face and know, I dropped the ball. God, help us to allow the fear of you to control our hearts. And to balance that with the love of you. Lord, help the reality of of the judgment to motivate us to be disciplined, to purify our hearts, to do all to the glory of you. And Lord, I pray, I pray that each one here tonight would hear you say, Well done, thou good and faithful. Lord, that's not going to happen by us just wishing it. It's not going to happen by pretending. Lord, I pray that the reality of someday standing before you would draw us to the very heart of you in love for you, in service for you, 
and in faithfulness to you. And Lord, I pray if there is one here tonight that knows in the bottom of their heart they are not prepared for your coming, they do not know that they have everlasting life, that they will not be caught up when you come again, I pray tonight before they leave, they would mention that to someone and that they could settle that tonight by calling upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, thank you for warning us. Thank you for the seriousness of these matters. And Lord, I pray that this truth would be reflected in our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.